You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Monday edition. The big news here on the network, Matt, is that the Ultimate Mock Draft is now live. Episode 1, picks 1 through 5. You can find on its own feed, the Ultimate Mock Draft feed, Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, go find the feed for the Ultimate Mock Draft. You might have found a little teaser in the Peacock and Williamson feed this morning a little <laughs> bonus of a, of a couple of picks but the draft really starts at pick three and four as we know so it's going to be a lot of fun every day with odyssey experts check it out uh so fun to be involved with on the network everybody all hands on deck massive project and i think for a lot of fans that are ready for the draft to get here this is like as close as you can get to the real thing so go check that out yeah that's a good point i mean if those of you that are new and haven't seen it been around for this for the last year or so it really is an endeavor with many people involved, and it's about as close to you know enjoying the first round of the draft as you're going to get. And of course, the biggest, the biggest reason to tune in, right, is because you and I are hosting it, Matt. Well, sure. I mean, that goes without saying, right? <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. If you need a little bit more Peacock and Williamson in your life, we are both involved. <laughs> with that one today is defensive line let's talk edge let's talk positional rankings and some sleepers on the defensive side of the ball and get into a nice little edge class it's not top heavy there's no bosas there's no chase youngs in this class but there's a ton of depth and a ton of different shapes and sizes and different players that you know could litter the end of round one and into day two for a lot of football teams that are looking for some pass rush coming off the edge, and pretty much every team is. But, Matt, big news right before we hit record here. A massive story now around the NFL, I think. Well, it's not that massive, but I, I think just the story of what Alex Smith went through last year and his comeback will be remembered long after his retirement, which was announced today. Retiring from the NFL after 16 seasons, a heartfelt video on Instagram is is how Alex Smith announced his retirement. There was some talk that maybe he could be reunited with Urban Meyer from his college days at Utah and his former NFL GM in Trent Baalke. And it was potentially a fit for him there in Jacksonville, but he has decided no to hang him up and Alex Smith retiring from the NFL. Yeah, it is a big story. I mean, especially when you consider what his life on and off the field has been like for these last couple of years. Would you say it was 16 years of, of, of service in the NFL? 16 years, yep. The number one pick in 2005. Wow, makes me feel old. I mean, I often <laughs> reference it, but that was the year that I was in the NFL. I was with the Browns. We had the third pick overall. He ended up going first that year. And so, boy, that doesn't seem like 16 years ago. <laughs> I've been in the media ever since. How high was he on the Browns draft board that year? Because there was a lot of talk that the Browns did like him and they could be in the market for a quarterback. And they ended up, t you guys took uh, Braylon Edwards, right? We did. We did. So, Here's how I remember it, and some of it kind of sounds foolish, obviously, and even it's kind of actually somewhat similar to our, our Friday show where you know, what we thought of some quarterbacks coming out at the time, you know, I kind of like Josh Rosen. I'm not afraid to admit it, but I was wrong. Well, as an organization, we had drafted Luke McCown the year before in the third round, and they were really excited about him. He was a third-round toolsy prospect. And in the meantime, they just signed Jeff Garcia. And 
all the mini camps and all the interaction we had with Jeff Garcia. I mean, somebody, another Niner tied to you. We're like, man, this guy's a leader. He's a lot better than the quarterbacks they'd had before. So at that point, and this is what's humorous, we didn't think we needed a quarterback, <laughs> you know, because we had Luke McCown <laughs> and Jeff Garcia, who was very up in age at the time. So we thought we were a couple players. I mean, not a couple players away. We were a pretty bad team. Don't get me wrong. But Braylon Edwards was the number one guy on our board. Uh, that was also the draft class that had Ronnie Brown and Cedric Benson and Cadillac Williams. Yes. Those guys were all big time prospects and running backs were viewed differently back then. But Edwards was our one. We were pretty darn confident we'd get him at three. And I will say the Browns organization as a whole and Matt Williamson's private scouting reports had Aaron Rodgers higher than Alex Smith. Do you have copies of your old scouting reports? Ooh, somewhere in the attic, because when I got let go, I made sure, I, which I think was probably against team policy or league policy. I, I grabbed everything I could that I had ever produced that was in the system somewhere in the attic collecting a lot of dust, but I could find it. I might have oh. to do that this, this July or something. Oh yeah. That would be a great thing to go over in the summertime. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I would love to see what you or Alex Smith and uh, Aaron Rodgers reports look like. But I remember at the time, obviously the 49ers had the first pick in the draft. So it was a big deal. Is it Aaron Rodgers sure. or is it Alex Smith? And there was some talk that a lot of people loved Braylon Edwards. And some people thought, Oh, maybe that's the number one pick in the draft. You don't go quarterback. Not sure on these quarterbacks. And all the mocks, he was a pretty impressive receiver prospect, yes. I will say. Oh, he was a Braylon. monster, yeah. And monster, uh, yeah. a lot of the talk was, okay, if the 49ers go quarterback, whoever they don't take is going to go either three to Cleveland or five to the Bucks with John Gruden. And there was mm. there was some chatter that maybe even the, the Bucks liked Alex Smith so much that they would trade up with the 49ers at one. Then the Niners would go Rodgers and make that an easy decision at five. And none of that ended up happening. And then Rodgers just tumbled down the board, surprisingly, um, all the way to pick 24 to the Green Bay Packers. That, that was a really wild draft and really altered the history of the NFL. Yeah, and in a big, big way. I mean, so Tampa ended up with Cadillac, and we ended up with Braylon. And, and to kind of reiterate our thoughts at the time were we had the – I mentioned the quarterback situation. We had just drafted Kellen Winslow the year before, who and also sounds funny, but he was – an amazing prospect. I mean, I think we talked about this when we previewed tight ends. I mean, he was jaw-dropping to me. He was Larry Fitzgerald with more physicality and size. So we thought we had this unbelievable duo for years and years and years. And I will say, I mean, I, it, it, I'm not ripping on Alex Smith at all because he had a very, very good career, and we should probably talk about that some more. But it, it seems a little humorous now, like, what why didn't everybody have Rogers over Smith? You know, I'm sure a lot of people have not been diehard fans for 16 years now. Rogers wasn't the same then as he is now. No. I mean, there's some revisionist history there. I mean, you watch his last year at Cal. He's a very impressive prospect, but he's not like the guy he is now. He was a late bloomer. Yeah, he was, he was really impressive. Um, one of the things, and it was actually, it's funny because there's some parallels with, and in fact, it was Charlie Casserly last week in his mock draft that had uh, Justin Fields falling all the way to exactly pick 24, where Aaron Rodgers fell in the draft. And there's some, uh, I think there's some correlation with prospects getting picked apart and the school, you know, scouting the helmet, right? Because a lot of people are talking about Ohio State quarterbacks. Back then, it was the Cal quarterbacks. And it was, you know, the Tedford quarterbacks and the Tedford offense. And Tedford the way, quarterbacks, yeah. The way that... Um, Aaron Rodgers held the ball really high, and it came out weird, and now he's got it way down loose almost by his 
ways. So he went from holding the ball as high as you can hold it for a quarterback to almost as low as anybody holds it in the league. Really loose down by his waist and just relaxed, and it changed so much. And obviously a ton of development, and he didn't play for the first few years and got to sit in a really good situation with good coaches and behind Brett Favre. So you never know where Rodgers' career would have gone if he did go somewhere else. And for Alex Smith, he was so young. He's still only 36 years old. He was a redshirt sophomore when he came out, and Urban Meyer was leaving for Florida to be the head coach there. So Alex Smith declared early, and he was a good prospect and athletic and smart, but it just took some time. He was so young coming into the league, and I think that's another lesson to learn from all this is it takes time, and guys develop, and they're going to be different when they're 25 than they are when they're 20. And, you know, when you play that little and you are that young, it's going to take some time just to be a grown man in the NFL. And it took, you know, five or six years, even as a 49er, for Alex Smith to really finally be that guy. And by that time, then they had drafted Cap, and then he kind of replaced him when Alex Smith got hurt. So then they moved on from Alex Smith and went with Cap. But um, it was pretty amazing for Alex Smith not to be completely destroyed by the struggles when he was 20 years old entering the league with a bad football team. Yeah, and I just want to talk real quick again about them both coming into the league because there were a lot of questions about, you know, where these guys both had come from. Smith was way ahead of his time in terms of spread principles, and the league as a whole didn't think that translated, and the NFL wasn't going to bend for their quarterback. They made quarterbacks bend for them, which was a Mm -hmm. massive mistake when looking back at things. And I also believe... And this is just a you know hunch by me, an educated guess. That time sitting in the quarterback meeting room watching Favre and seeing how Favre played the game had to rub off on Rodgers in such a positive way because he's so much more aggressive, so much more dynamic when he became a starter in Green Bay than when he came out of Cal. And not that it was exactly the same, but Smith's best year was when he got really aggressive with Andy Reid when Mahomes was nipping on his on his tail too, you know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the the Favre thing's interesting because I've heard JT O'Sullivan, who was a former backup of Brett Favre, talk about this and how everything was just so simplified with Brett Favre. They'd be in the room and the other quarterbacks are like, you know, freaking out about every little detail, and Brett Favre's like, ah, just rip it, just put it on him, you know, like just yeah, like right. oversimplifying things. And you can tell that by the way he played, and it probably eased some things for quarterbacks and let him simplify things. Yeah, and I would think that, you know, a lot of it is kind of the Montana young, you know, far blocked Rodgers, and maybe they weren't best friends, and, you know, that that didn't end as clean as you would love, you know, but I bet it was really good for Rodgers in terms of aggressiveness, and boy, I know one can get away with this stuff but Brett Favre. Well, maybe I can. Maybe I'm special enough, too, as well. Yep, and we saw Without how... the turnover. Without, <laughs> yeah, the, without turnover. the turnovers. And we saw how difficult it was for Alex Smith to get started in his career and how yeah. m- how much better he made it on quarterbacks that joined his program once he was already the veteran quarterback in the room. And then we saw it with Mahomes. We saw it with Rodgers and Favre. So when we're looking at the quarterbacks in the top of the draft, the, the landing po- spot for some of these guys is going to be so important. Yeah, I mean, to bring it full circle to our conversation last week, I'm sure there's some serious lessons we can learn about Smith and Rodgers and their great career paths in the last 16 years and how they were perceived before the draft and every step of the way. I mean, there's a lot of data here to take away for future guys. No doubt. But obviously, the lasting impact of Alex Smith's legacy is going to be his comeback. I've talked before about how they should rename the award about him. It's pretty amazing. And you should go check out that Instagram video. I think the NFL Twitter just posted it as well. Uh, Pretty Hmm. amazing, the story 
of Alex Smith's comeback, which will ultimately be the thing that I think he gets remembered for over uh, the other 15-plus years of his career. Okay, we've got to talk pass rushers. We've got to talk about those guys getting after quarterbacks. Edge rankings, edge sleepers in the NFL draft next. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced. So you can give her something special and truly meaningful this Mother's Day. They won't be around for long. So find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. By the way, I don't know if anybody's noticed, but there is a new favorite to be selected at number three to the San Francisco 49ers, and it is no longer Mac Jones. It is, in fact, Justin Fields. We'll see if that flip-flops again over the course of the next two weeks. Uh, I bet it does, and I bet that changes after the Trey Lance pro day. Number one pick, number two pick, which player at which position goes first. Tons of draft props at betonline.ag that you can get in on. Make that draft day a little bit more fun. And maybe make yourself a little bit of money if you think you've got an edge on what people are expecting will happen throughout the NFL draft. NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, Bet Online even covers awards and TV shows and reality TV, real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine to go along with table games and poker as well. And it's free to sign up. Just head over to the website. You can use your mobile device too. Sign up today. Using promo code locked on, receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Promo code locked on, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Oh, man, that, that's, I can't wait now. I want to see those reports. You got to go in the attic and find those things. That's thanks for digging, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Matt Williams, since 2005, scouting reports for the Cleveland Browns. Oh, that would be fantastic. Uh, I remember too, I swiped some of their stuff. Cause remember the year before was the Ben rivers, Eli year. So, you know, I was closetly watching, you know, Ben as they were 15 and one and we were two and 14. It wasn't like we were a huge competitor, but I went back and took a bunch of reports too, that were even before I got there, you know, like all their thoughts on those three quarterbacks and some of those type of things, which it would be really fun to read now. And what so the concerns were, you know, and the coaching staff got fired right after that 2005 year. I was there. <laughs> I was a Browns employee for 365 days and I had three head coaches in that time. Oh my so <laughs> Butch Davis hired me and then he was replaced by an interim coach and then replaced by Romeo. So gotcha. Okay. It was a constant flux to say the least. Wow. Yeah. Some, some oddball. I mean, that's tough. It's tough to incubate a team in that environment, right, without much changing. And some big personalities on that roster, Braylon Edwards and um, Winslow. Wow. Like Courtney Brown. And, I mean, we oh, didn't man. have a lot of talent. Don't get me wrong. Gerard Warren. Those are some of the recent picks that were there when I was there. Yeah, the two. Well, that was the 2000 draft with Courtney Brown, right, and LeVar Arrington. Yep, yep, yep. All right, good stuff. Let's talk pass rushers. Courtney Brown was a monster. 
That was a disappointing Mush. career. He was he was like prototype exactly how you draw him up. Thought it was like, okay, well, look at this. Defensive end, height, weight, speed. This is how you draw him up. Easy pick, safe on top of it. And safe doesn't always work out that well, I think we've learned from the NFL draft. No. No, and, and he was a very good player. He would go er, ahead of all these edge guys. Some of these guys, you, you know, you remember him being on bad teams and just assume he was a bust. I mean, he could have played. He could have been a little more into it. I'll say that. But I mean, this this draft doesn't have those guys. You mentioned no. that at the start. There's no Chase Young or Bosa or Miles Garrett type. I mean, so everyone has a different number one. There's nobody that's going to sniff the top five. I, there no. could be a surprise, and someone jumps into the top ten. I want to ask you who you think that player would be. Uh, but at the top, I think there's maybe three or four names that could likely be the first edge player off the board. Let's start with Matt. Which player you think will be the first edge selected in the 2021 draft? Well, my favorite, and I don't have a team doctor, is Jalen Phillips. Mm -hmm. I think he's the best football player slash prospect of this group. But if you told me one of these top guys was going to fall on a day one, I would bet Phillips because, you know, concussions and retired for medical reasons. I might not go well with team doctors. So I'm not avoiding your question. So if if one would were to go in the top 10, like you mentioned, and I think the Giants would probably be a landing spot, I think it'd be Quiddy Pay. I, I tend to agree with you uh, exactly on both points. Jalen Phillips is the best edge player in this draft, and he's six yeah. five and a half, two sixty, and can bend the edge and has length and ran a four five seven forty. Great ten yard split, has get off, can get after the quarterback, has some nuance to his pass rush game as well. But it's that path he took um, as a red, you know, to get to that red shirt junior where he was playing at that high level at Miami. Started out at USC, and it's concussion stuff, so it's brain stuff. So it's not like you throw an MRI on the knee and say, "Hey, knee's good, let's go." Right. Uh, right so right. that's the medical is the hugest part of that. I think if he got really good medical reports, he might still be the first edge taken and, and could sneak into that top ten area. If not, it might be a team by team basis. Some teams have him off the board. Some teams love him. So that's why he's being mocked consistently in the second half of round one. But the guy that doesn't have those medical concerns and also has a ton of ability and explosive ability is Quiddy Pay. Maybe you would like a player to be a little longer, six two and a half, two hundred sixty pounds, but does have thirty three inch arms, which helps and big hands. And and uh, the thing I I pause with with Quiddy Pay, and it's the reason he probably won't end up going in the top ten, and none of these guys will is pay keeps coming, and motor is so important with collecting sacks in the NFL. But he's he's somewhat straight-line-ish. As explosive as he bit. is, it's yeah. all in a straight line. But he'll keep coming, keep coming, can convert some speed to power. So I like him a lot. But with Phillips, it's the unknown about the concussions and the injury history. With Quiddy Pates, the ah, one thing is missing about that bendability off the edge and a little bit of length and then the other guy that's probably going to be in that top three conversation who Dane Brugler actually in the beast has is his top edge guy the redshirt sophomore Aziz Ojalari out of Georgia again length is a problem there 6'2 uh, but he doesn't even have the 260 pound build either so 249 pounds maybe a stand-up rusher type but does have really long arms so a really interesting profile with the 20 year old Aziz Ojalari so those three it's really hard to rank right now and and and, and predict which one is going to go first yeah, and this this matters so much less than it used to, and even five years ago. But Ojolari to me is much more the three four outside linebacker type. You know, like I don't think him 
Pay and Phillips can do the same things, battling tackle tight end mm-hmm. double teams time and time again. He'd be better on his feet as a wide nine type technique, jo- dropping into coverage here and there. But the reality is most of these teams are going to play a four-man line and play nickel, and you know he's going to. They're, they're all going to line up on the edge no matter which way you cut it. Um, I was a little lower on Ojolari than the other two, partially because I don't think he holds up as well, you know, down and in, down out. But I do think it's important that he's younger than both these guys, longer arms than both these guys, even though that he's lighter. Um, he's more of an edge bender than than Pay, to your point. Pay is a little straight line-ish, but he's not Von Miller either. I mean, he's not a Gumby-like guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, I if, if I had to guess, I think it's going to go pay first, mm-hmm. then Phillips, then Ojolari. And I think that's going to be a clear de- delineation. Then I have no idea what's going to happen next because there's a lot of candidates still for that end of the first round, beginning of the second round area. Yeah, I, I think the thing that could hurt Phillips is it's close enough between him and pay, him and Ojolari. Some teams might even have Rousseau in the same neighborhood or Owe if they're you know, you know scouting traits that you say, okay, yeah, our team doctor did give them the okay, but it's close enough. I'm not sure I want to risk my job on keeping him healthy. I think that's a good place to pause because that is the clear top three to me. And sorry, what was your order? You like Phillips one, pay two, Ojolari three? Yes. But I I like the top two more than I'm not sure who my three is, but I think it okay. would be Ojolari. Okay, so you might not even have Ojolari in your top three. I think he's clearly three, and depending on the team, he could be the first one off the board. But it would have to be a scheme fit situation, which mm-hmm. is why I think Quiddy Pay probably fits most teams, yeah. and he's the cleanest evaluation, and, and that's why he'll end up going there and being the top edge off the board. Where will that be? I have no idea. But after the top three, there's some interesting names I want to talk about. You mentioned a couple of them there in Owe and Rousseau. And, and Joe Tryon, I think, is a name that is maybe rising up draft boards a little bit out of Washington with his profile that is maybe uh, somewhat similar to Jalen Phillips, actually, as far as athleticism and length and, and everything you're looking for in an edge player. More edge rushers in the 2021 NFL Draft next. The Built Bar bracket is now over as well. Coconut Brownie Chump was deemed the best Built Bar flavor in 2021. You can find all the flavors at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious folks out there. It helps you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low in calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, even great for a keto diet. Find the 12 original flavors at BuiltBar.com and some of the new fun flavors, some of which went very far in the Built Bar bracket. And best of all, you can get 15% off by using promo code LOCKED15. Just go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15. You will get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. Pay Phillips Ojolari, Matt. You said maybe Ojolari's not even your number three. If it was not Ojolari, who would be your third? That's the problem is I don't like either one of these guys enough. My take on this class is, again, no superstar. I think there's two really, really good prospects. Like you said, Ojolari is kind of scheme dependent, but he's a really good player. And I think it's extremely deep. Like there's... 
15 names on here I would gladly add to my football team, but ranking them is really, really difficult at this position. I mean, I have some doubts about Owe and Rousseau, but I understand that they are first-round tight prospects. I mean, Owe, the thing that jumps out at you, of course, is ridiculous athlete. I mean, ridiculous athlete and no sacks. But it's not that simple. Like, if you watch Penn State this year, he shows up a lot. He's very disruptive. He's not just running around not knowing what he's doing. And I think he had five sacks a year before. So it's not like this guy's never sniffed a quarterback in his life. I've seen some interesting comps to Jason Owe. And by the way, 6'5", 257. He ran a 4.37 at his pro day. So even even adjusting for shenanigans with different stopwatches, what, 4.45 at at 6.5, 260, right? Like, that's insane. And His uh, jumps were ridiculous. Yeah, uh, 39.5-inch vertical, 11 feet, 2 inches broad jump, sub-7-second 3-cone, which is a huge number for pass rushers to try to turn that corner. Bench press 21 times, so it's not like he's just like a, a, a... Pumped up wide receiver or something like that. 10-yard split was great, so his first step quickness. Arm length, 34 and a half inches. This is exactly what you want your speed edge pass rusher to look like. But again, you mentioned it, zero sacks. But that doesn't mean he wasn't at least disruptive. So I think that's sort of the thing. It's like, okay, the sack production wasn't there, but he was still somewhat productive and disruptive on opposing offenses. What can my defensive line coach do with this guy how does he fit our scheme and i gotta believe with that athletic profile he's gonna get into round one. Oh, i think so i mean i i often mock him to a team like buffalo that doesn't need him right now bring him along slow maybe baltimore you know stable organization they don't need instant production from their first round pick india even would make sense i mean i think he's probably like if he went 18th overall or 19th overall I really wouldn't bat an eye. I, I get yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul is one of the comps I've seen with him, Chandler Jones. Like, that's the build, that length, and that prototype yeah. length and athleticism. But I think the one you mentioned a few weeks those, back though. was Denell Hunter. I think that's the perfect one because, again, yeah. sim- but, I mean, Hunter went in, what, third round? Third round. Yeah, I think he had, like, four sacks at LSU total right. you know, for so, his whole career. Very similar profile, but in yeah. the end, it's like those traits. You coach him up. If, if he's at all coachable and can work on that technique, I mean, it is too much of a package. It's exactly how you want your edge rushers to be built. And the thing is, I mean, during the process, coaches get involved in the scouting process late, and they look at this guy going, give me – let me get my hands yeah, on him. You know, I mean, guy. just salivate. <laughs> give me that guy. I can coach him yeah. up. And, and coaches sometimes overestimate their ability to coach guys up. No so doubt. I could absolutely see him going super high. And who knows, maybe even the first guy off the board just because teams are, are blown away. Um, I get it. Yeah. How about this? Brugler has Joe Tryon from Washington as his number five edge rusher, one spot ahead of Gregory Rousseau. And and this is where we start talking about guys who have a lot of length. But Joe Tryon with his length, 6'5", 260, uh, has athleticism as well. Four six five in the forty. A uh, good ten yard split. Um, I think he looks the part. And I went back and watched more of him. Eight sacks in twenty nineteen. Opted out of twenty twenty. So I'm I'm watching twenty nineteen when I, I'm watching Joe Tryon. And I just felt like there was something missing. I, I was like, okay, I like it. I just said the same thing. But yeah. I'm not. That's not a first round 
player to me. And he looks the part, and, and I, you know, and I like it. It's fine, but to me, he's a second round guy all day. And I think maybe some other players are better that might go later just because of his profile. I tend to agree. And I feel like if he would have came back this past year, maybe we'd be talking about him much mm-hmm. higher as yeah. a no brainer slam dunk, more refined, you know, some of the, the rust or some of the rough edges would have been smoothed out a little bit, but we didn't. And there's a lot to like there. And, you know, if I'm the jets with my third pick in the early second round, you know, that kind of neighborhood, absolutely. But a first round guy, I mean, I understand this position gets boosted up, rightfully so, but he doesn't screen first round pick to me either, even though there's a lot of first round buzz with him. That's why there's that's why this is so difficult because there's so much yeah. boomer bust with a lot of these prospects, which is why those first three guys I mentioned are just going to be the slam dunk top three because there's a lot less projection, especially with Phillips as long as his medicals come out clean. And the next guy, another one year starter. And there's gonna be so there's gonna be more one year starters than ever drafted high in this NFL draft. And Gregory Rousseau is another one that's that seems to be falling because he did not work out well. But man, when you watch him as a as a redshirt freshman at Miami, 15 and a half sacks, just with his natural length, the former receiver, former safety, this, you know, outgrew those positions. Six five and a or six six and a half, almost six seven, two sixty six, thirty-four and a half inch arms, massive eleven inch hands. Um, and a really good 10-yard split, uh, even though he doesn't always show explosion off the line. But then the jumps weren't great, 30-inch vertical, 7.503 cone, which is not great, 9.7 broad jump. So you worry a little bit about the overall athleticism. Did he just get too big? Uh, should he be more of like a 230-pound player that was a former wide receiver? You know, But I saw him so natural with his hands as a freshman that I think he might be the one who's the steal in this class. And, and, you know, maybe some of those explosion numbers, vertical jump and three cone, and some of the things that are usually really important for a defensive lineman. I, mean, I don't know. It's, it's almost like whoever drafts the, the sixth defensive end is going to get the value here, not the one who drafts the third or fourth. No, you could be 100% right there. He reminds me a little of Clowney, but less explosive. And I don't really mean that as a compliment. No, you know, that where didn't he, sound like a compliment. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's long. He gets, you know, he'll, he'll line up over guards and centers and outmuscle those guys. Um, I've heard interviews with him. He's very well-spoken. He seems to have a real plan, but he's not super explosive. But as you said, the 10-yard split is exceptional, which I love that. I thought that was a a very underlying redeeming quality from his pro day. And even his tape last year, which was ridiculously productive, most of his sacks, like a, 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 a worrisome number of his sacks came in clusters against the worst teams they played. Yeah. Yeah. You know? He's just too much, too long for some of those right. players you know? he was going against. So, yeah, it's a rough evaluation. And he's going to fall. He's only a red shirt sophomore played one year as a redshirt freshman 21 years old coming out in the draft um and and actually just had his 21st birthday yeah happy birthday to gregory rousseau on uh on april 5th he had his 20th birthday Uh, it's it's i don't like it man it blows me away seeing all these guys who were born in the year 2000 coming into the end it's crazy yeah (laughs) makes you feel old these guys were five years old with that alex smith aaron Rodgers draft we were just talking about (laughs) yeah you're right that's a terrible way of putting it. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so Gregory Rousseau. There's Carlos Basham from Wake Forest, Joseph Asai from Texas, speed rusher, uh, Ronnie Perkins out of Oklahoma. I'm starting to like a lot undersized, but, but yeah. 
has a pass rush plan and can use his his arms, even though they're they're not super long, thirty two and seven eighths. Ronnie Perkins might be my next guy here, maybe my my seventh edge player. I just the more I watch him, he just he know he can get to the quarterback, knows what he's doing. He's only six two and a half, two fifty three, but uses hands well, gets around the corner, plays hard. Really good football player. I mean, again, not the longest, not the biggest. Consistent, though. I mean, he seems like a number two edge rusher, you know, and there's a lot to be said for that. You get on day two, has a productive career, does everything pretty well, probably more of a 3-4 guy than a, you know, lineup close to the center type of dude. There's so many on this list that you could talk about. How about Quincy Roche from Miami? I was actually a little disappointed. I think he's really good. He went from Temple to Miami. He was, um, I forget the conference, defensive player of the year at Temple. Went to Miami, was, you know, with that step up in competition, was not quite the dominant player he was at Temple, but still a nice, you know, similarly sized to what we just talked about with Perkins. He's only 6'2 and a half, 245, so more of a stand-up rusher type. Ran a 4'6'8", which is solid, uh, but and has some ability. Can get after the quarterback. A little older prospect. Actually, a, a senior, which is which is rare these days, but a player I like, but again, you're talking about a third round, maybe even a fourth round guy. Yeah, oh, for sure. I, I mean, I think he and uh, who's, who's the other Penn State kid I'm missing off the top of my head? Are Tony, similar Shaka in that they they can give you some value on day two, day three. Shaka Tony, yeah, you know the, they're, they're the the ones that the their schools that no one's talking about. They're not quite as impressive physically. They don't look quite as great walking in the door, but they're good quality players. Uh, I think they'll have productive careers. You know, probably immediately a third edge, work their way into a starter rotational role, strong special teamer. You know, I'm not talking about these guys as superstars, but I just think there's so many guys on this list. I mean, you, you, it's a, some names we haven't brought up. I mean, Chris Rump from Duke, I think, is extremely interesting. Jordan Smith from UAB is really interesting. There's a lot of guys here, and I bet the hit rate's pretty decent. And, you know, Deo, Agent Debo from Vanderbilt, I definitely said his name wrong. He has crazy traits, but he blew out his ACL late, late last year. Like, he's not going to play it all this year. Six so five, they all have butt, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think he nailed it, by the way, Yeah, with Deo. That was fantastic. 6'5", 285, 35-inch arms, too. Like that, crazy, He's yeah. a monster. But, yeah, torn ACL. There's Patrick Jones, who came into the league as one of the top edge players and just is, is a little tight, a little straight liney, sort of a maybe a, a round three, round four version of what we talked about with Quiddy Pay. If you miss out on Quiddy Pay, maybe Patrick Jones is your guy because he'll get after it in 6'4", 260, but is not going to turn the corner well, I don't think, in the NFL. Here's a sleeper for me. Probably my favorite sleeper right now in the draft is Ellerson Smith from Northern Iowa. And by the yeah. way, Northern Iowa has got some basketball players. They have the, uh, the offensive tackle. and blinking on his name right now. Um, Brown, Spencer Brown, who's like six, Spencer Brown, right? Yeah. And he's got the same version of Spencer Brown. Yeah. He's a small school guy, fourth, fifth round, Crazy, mid round right? guy. Maybe you hit a home run. Maybe he doesn't do much in the NFL, but ran four, seven at six, six, 252 pounds, long 34 inch arms. He was productive when he was rushing the passer. So, uh, he's one of my favorite guys that you draft in the middle of rounds and see if you can, uh, you know, put him in the weight room and develop him into, Probably early in his career, maybe a stand-up type, just a rotational rusher, but could end up being a full-time starting defensive end in the league. Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, Spencer Brown's the same version of tackle. They're both, we'd love to put 20 pounds of great muscle on them, yeah. and I'm sure Northern Iowa has a fine weight program, but it's not the best in the nation, you know what I'm saying? 
and maybe you don't hear from at all this year, but two years from now, you're like, wow, that's a really good starter. And he looks a lot different than he did back then. And, you know, serious traits to work with. I mean, I like both the Florida State kids. You know, they're low down this list. They had four different defensive coordinators during their time in Florida State. It's hard to develop guys like that. Yeah. Man, I, I, I like this group. I just don't think it's top heavy. Another guy who was a standout at the Senior Bowl from Tulane, Cam Sample, if you want yeah. more, a little more of a big body, kind of a uh, almost a bad body tweener where he looks like, oh, he's too thick for edge, but maybe not quite athletic, enough, or you know, not quite big enough for inside, maybe not athletic enough for a full-time edge, maybe a Kerry Hyder type in Cameron Sample. But uh, he put on a show. He was awesome at the Senior Bowl, and I think probably helped him out quite a bit in, in some coaches and Teams fell in love with him. He's only 6'2 and a half, 267, so a bowling ball of a player that probably will play sort of a big end role. Hyder's a good one. I haven't heard that one. I was thinking, you know, a Michelob Ultra version of Marlon Davidson from Auburn last yeah. year. Oh, yeah, you know, that's a good one. One of those type of guys. Uh, he play hard. I mean, you'll probably have a role, you know, especially if he can kick inside on throwing downs and certainly make a name for himself on special teams. I mean, it's crazy. Like, Pitt's got two guys. Florida State's got two guys. Tulane has two guys. You know, like, Miami's got three. You know, Penn State's got two. I mean, there, there's so many of these guys from the same schools this year, too. Yeah, so much projection with a lot of players. And it's sort of like the wide receiver class where a lot of these guys are a little bit smaller. So those rotational stand-up types. And uh, mm-hmm. Hamilcar Rashad from uh, Oregon State's another one, 6'2", 251. There is uh, Wyatt Hubert from Kansas State, who's like undersized and underathletic and not long enough, 31 inch arms, <laughs> but he's just a try hard guy that I'm sure coaches will love. So he'll, you know, go undrafted, but then make a team because he's just, you know, nonstop. Preseason warrior. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Wyatt Hubert's a name that, that's going to make it, but man, uh, his profile is not great when you're running four nines and you're only 6'2, 258 with 31 inch arms. Yeah, that's a good one. I mentioned this name, but I just wanted to highlight him for a second. Is Chris Rumpf the second from Duke? He was 244 at his pro day, but he played at like 225. He's a great pass rusher, though. His dad was in the league, like we talked about with these corners. And I he won't be for everybody, but his tape is phenomenal. His testing was good. I just don't believe that he's 244. I think he bulked up for that day. He's not for everyone at all, but he's a really interesting guy with a very developed set of pass rush moves. Is that Mike Rumpf's kid? Yeah. Oh, I did not know. No, that. no, no. It's Chris Rumpf's kid because this is Chris Rumpf the second. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, okay. I, assume I don't remember. Chris I don't remember Chris Rumpf Senior. I don't know why I don't remember him. Why don't? And you know what? He's not in the league. He is a defensive line coach, though, Daddy. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so okay. in the league, yes, but not playing in the league. Okay. I think he had a very strong college career. I'll, I'll look it up, and but I think he's a defensive line coach right now, and it shows, Daddy. Well, there you go. That's why he's so developed as a pass rusher. Okay, I like it. Yeah, if he can, if that if that weight can stick for him, there you go. Another rotational stand up type rusher in this class. You got Osai early, you got Owe early, then you've got um, Rumpf there Peyton in the mid rounds. Another one that's crazy. Yeah, you know, Peyton Turner. Yeah, we didn't even talk about. I, I'm Peyton really Turner. interested to see the order that these guys fall. Right? Yeah, which one's going to actually impress Ronnie Perkins and Quincy Roche? Like, who? Which team's going to be like, oh, okay, I like what I saw from this guy. He's he's my guy, and, and maybe it'll just be mm-hmm. a personality thing. But that's why this draft is going to be so nuts because there's so much less data to go on, and I think boards are going to be crazy. And we do this in the media every year. We think there's a consensus, and we know how this first round is going to look. It's going to be nuts. We're going to be blown away. I can't wait. 
Oh, I 100% agree. And, you know, my last note really on this edge class is, you know, you might be thinking there as your favorite team going, boy, we could really use a top guy. Or if you're picking at the top of the draft, man, I wish there was a Bosa or a Chase Young. But don't be shocked a year from now if your third-round guy, your fourth-round guy that you drafted at the edge turns into a quality player for the, for your, your favorite team. And for a lot of these prospects, obviously the college season, either no college season or you know a shorter preseason, and that, that had to be rough on these guys. So we, we don't have a full picture of any of these players. So a lot of steals and a lot of busts, I have a feeling. The more I think about it, at this position, wouldn't it have been great to see all these guys we just mentioned working out together, you know, time at, you know, at the Combine? doing you know, oh, the same drills next to each other in assembly line. That's the beauty of the combine. Like you would have a better picture for sure. Good stuff. That is the edge class for the 2021 draft. We'll get into the interior defensive linemen and answer some of your questions this week. Tag me at BD Peacock on Twitter. We're less than 10 days away now from the NFL draft. Tag Matt at Williamson NFL with your Twitter Tuesday questions. Talk to you then right here. Peacock and Williamson.